Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. This podcast focuses on the day-to-day work of ministry leaders like pastors and youth pastors, uh, other church leaders. It also helps people like me who work in organizations or Christian ministries to think about how to do our job more effectively. And as you know, if you follow me on the podcast, this is a practical podcast. I try not to do too much preaching and uh, not a lot of in-depth Bible teaching. I certainly do both of those things, but I save those for other venues. Here on this podcast, we talk about the day-to-day work of ministry leadership and how to discern practical ways to solve pressing problems that plague us as ministry leaders. Now, for the past few episodes, I've been focusing on a study by Lifeway Research that was done among pastors in North America. They were asked about their most pressing concerns and asked to rank those concerns, and uh, 17 issues emerged as being major concerns of more than half the pastors who were surveyed. Now, we went back through my podcast from 2021 and saw that I'd actually covered a number of these issues and didn't really want to do that again, so I'm not covering all of the 17 issues in the LifeWay Research Report. But I am taking some specific issues that I don't feel like I've addressed recently on the podcast or maybe some specific issues that really resonate with me uh, right now as I talk to so many other ministry leaders and trying to address those particular issues on the podcast. So today, I'd like to address the issue that was raised by a number of pastors about avoiding overcommitment, avoiding overwork, and doing a better job of time management. Now, before you flip off the podcast, I want to say this is not going to be about how to use your Outlook calendar more effectively. That is not really the problem. No, today I want to talk about the root causes that drive these bad decisions we make that lead to overcommitment, overwork, and bad time management as ministry leaders. You see, it's not so much the techniques of time management that we're not able to implement that are holding us back. It's not so much those uh, concerns about techniques. It's deeper than that. Most of the time, what leads to overcommitment, overwork, a bad sense of time management, and a frustration that arises out of that, most of the time, these results are driven by deeper issues than just not knowing how to use a day timer. So what are some of these deeper issues? Well, I've identified about five of them that I think are important for ministry leaders to think through as it relates to how they choose day-to-day to use their time. And then after I highlight these, I'm going to talk about how to get past some of these in making what I call mission-driven decisions about time use. The first root cause of time mismanagement that leads to overcommitment and overwork is personal insecurity. Now, the symptoms related to time misuse are these. For example, the inability to say no without feeling guilty, or the inability to take risks and possibly fail, or the inability to trust others to make decisions. You see, at the root of all of this is personal insecurity. You can't say no because you really need people to like you. You really need to be a people pleaser. You really need the strokes that come from people feeling good about you. And that comes out of your own insecurities, which then causes you to make decisions about 
commitments that really aren't productive, which raises your frustration level over time. And while you might be looking at the commitments and saying, that's my problem, really the deeper issue has to be addressed. What drove you to make those commitments? Was it your inability to say no? Your inability to take risks, possibly fail? What do I mean by that? I, I mean this reflects personal insecurity because if you can't take a risk, you're going to spend hours and hours in what's called analysis paralysis. If you're afraid of failing, you're going to spend hours and hours just mulling over options and never able to come to a conclusion. And if your personal insecurity controls you in these areas, it will definitely lead to overcommitment and to overwork. And then, like I said, the inability to trust others to make decisions, the fear of delegating to others, meaning if you do that and they make a bad decision, it'll come back on you. Well, it certainly will. And so you stop delegating and just do everything yourself, which leads to significant overwork. And again, it's not that you don't know how to delegate or that you don't have people that you can delegate to. It's that your, your personal insecurities are driving you in such a way that you just can't turn loose. So the first root cause of overcommitment and overwork and bad time management is personal insecurity. Now, what do you do about that? Well, it's a theological answer. You have to come to a deep security of yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ. The security of the believer, that precious doctrine must become real to you on a daily basis to overcome the insecurities you feel that have been deeply ingrained in you by your upbringing, by the culture in which we live, by your past experiences. Your deep insecurities can be overcome by resting in the security you have in your identity, your value, in who you are in Jesus Christ. Now, when I was a younger man, I was taught the security to believer in the context of making sure that you were confident you were going to go to heaven when you die. And that's certainly a part of the doctrine. But one day a man made this uh, very insightful statement to me. He said, you know, Jeff, you are as secure in Jesus Christ right now as you ever will be in heaven. Man, that was a explosive thought in my mind. I am as secure in Jesus Christ right now as I will ever be in heaven. Meaning that once you come to be in Christ, you have a sense of security, of identity, of value, of purpose, of belonging. You have a sense of security that can never be replaced and really can never be increased, but can only be enjoyed. So the first step to overcoming time mismanagement, overcommitment, and overwork is addressing your personal insecurities that are driving you to make bad decisions about how you use time and coming instead to a deep sense of personal security in Jesus Christ. Well, here's a second root cause of time mismanagement that leads to overcommitment and overwork. Poor self-discipline. Now, what are some symptoms that relate to how you use time? Well, the first one is what I'll call emotionally driven work patterns. This is only working when you feel like it, <clears throat> only setting aside time to work when you think you're going to be particularly productive. It's 
really letting your emotions and in a lot of cases, your adrenaline drive your work patterns. You know, some pastors particularly fall into the trap of preparing their sermons late in the week when their urgency is upon them because Sunday's coming. And that adrenal rush they feel to try to get the message done, they mistakenly call that the leading of the Holy Spirit. This kind of emotionally driven work pattern is a recipe for overcommitment and overwork and for frustration mounting as your week builds. Instead, God knows Sunday's coming. So why not start studying early in the week and even finish your message early enough in the week that you can set it aside for a couple of days to rest in your mind before you actually deliver it on that coming Sunday. Emotionally driven work patterns are an example of poor self-discipline that leads to time mismanagement. Another example of this is over-spiritualizing our tasks. Now, we do spiritual work, and I certainly know that. But today, for example, was podcast day. It was my time to go to the studio and sit down in front of a microphone and make this podcast. And I can't sit in my office and say, well, I'm not quite ready. I'm not spiritually up to it. I'm not spiritually focused. I haven't felt the spiritual nudging. No, the appointment was made. The studio is available. The technicians are present. It's time for me to show up and do my job. And so over-spiritualizing our task is another reason that poor self-discipline shows up as a time mismanagement problem. And then another aspect of this is avoiding or putting off distasteful tasks. It's saying, well, that doesn't sound like fun, or that's going to be hard, or that might lead to conflict, or I don't like doing that part of my job. And so you just push it back, push it back, push it back so that it never really rises, and it's always lingering, always hanging, always undone. And because of that, you wind up wasting a lot of time pushing around something on your desk rather than doing it and getting it off your desk. So a second root cause of time mismanagement, which leads to overcommitment and overwork, is poor self-discipline. Now, what can you do about that? Well, the first thing you can do is... Pray that God will make this a spiritual reality in your life that you will practice self-control. It's always been one of the real paradoxes in the Bible to me, but in the listing in Galatians of the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is listed as self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And so it's not enough to say, God, I don't have control. I'm asking you to control me. No, that's not exactly how to make that prayer work. The better prayer is, God, I lack self-control. I'm asking you to work in me by your Holy Spirit to produce self-control. Give me the courage, the stamina, the discipline to make decisions and do what needs to be done in the moment. Self-control. And one practical way that you can work this out in your life is to submit yourself to a schedule and really keep that schedule. So, for example, you block out a certain time of the day to study for a sermon or prepare a Bible study or do counseling or do strategic planning or to work on an administrative part of a project for your, uh, ta- for your leadership task. And when that time comes, whether you feel like it or not, whether you feel spiritually ready or not, whether you feel like it'll be productive or not, whether you like it or not, whether you'll enjoy it or not, none of that matters. You submit yourself to a schedule and you show up and you get to work. 
So the second root cause of time mismanagement is poor self-discipline, which shows itself in these areas that I've described and has the solution as I've outlined. Here's another one. Another cause of overcommitment or overwork is poor self-esteem. Seeing yourself with a bad self-image and doing things to try to overcome that, which are counterproductive. For example, you have low self-esteem, so you work long hours to try to gain the approval of others. You show up early and you stay late and you take on extra tasks not because those things are particularly productive to you advancing the mission that God has given you and your organization, but because showing up and working hard and doing extra gains you the approval of others who will applaud you for what you've done. And another part of this is working long hours to justify our role as ministry leaders since we really don't produce a product and what we do produce is really hard to measure. You know, sometimes I've actually mused, man, I wish I had a job where I just made widgets all day long. And I knew if I made 1,000 widgets today, I had a good day. If I made 1,100, I had a great day. If I made 900, I needed to pick up the pace tomorrow. Oh, it would be so great to have a job that was that measurable. It's hard to measure what we do in ministry leadership. I get that. And so because it's hard to measure what we do, we put in long hours to try to justify our role since we don't produce a measurable product. Well, here's another one, working to look busy rather than be productive. I once had a pastor actually tell me that he did this. He lived a few blocks from his church, and so on Saturday mornings, he would drive his car to the church and park it in the parking lot and then walk home and watch college football and have a relaxing day. But he wanted his church members to think that he was working on Saturday because he got his approval from them having a high regard for his work ethic. Now, ultimately, he had to face up to the deception of what he was doing and what that revealed about his poor self-esteem and his inadequacies as a leader. He confessed that behavior and stopped it. But while he was doing it, he realized, I'm I'm really driven here by something that is very unproductive and very unhealthy, poor self-esteem. So again, let's think about what we're talking about in the broad strokes on the podcast today. We're talking about overcommitment and overwork and why that leads to bad time management. What I've said at the beginning of this podcast is it's not just about learning how to use Outlook better or how to do more effective uh, management through your daytime. Or it's, it's not any of that. It's really about getting down to the core of what drives you to make these decisions, which lead to overcommitment and overwork, and that drives you to lead to these decisions that evidence such bad time management. And quite frankly, it's not that we don't know how to manage time so much as it is that we're driven internally by some warped ideas about personal insecurity, poor self-discipline, or poor self-esteem that really do hamper the work that we're doing in ministry leadership. But there's a fourth area of concern for me, and that is we are driven to overcommitment and overwork because we believe myths about the ministry. Now, here are some examples. The first one is, I must always be available. I'm indispensable. So therefore, every time the phone rings, I have to go. 
Every time the email uh, comes in, I have to respond. Every time there's a person who's critical or negative, I have to go and meet with them. Every time anything goes on, I have to be available because after all, I'm indispensable. Well, think about it for a minute. The most important people in your world are largely unavailable to you. If you want to see your doctor, good luck getting an appointment sometime in the next month. Same thing for your attorney. Same thing for your accountant. Same thing for anyone who has a professional responsibility and who's managing that relationship with you in a prioritized fashion. They have a lot of other clients, a lot of other patients, a lot of other people to deal with. And frankly, you would never imagine being able to walk into one of their offices and in a second's time be able to see them on the, just because you felt the need in the moment. It just doesn't happen. And yet, we don't diminish these people. We actually esteem them more highly because they are somewhat unavailable to us in the moment. Now, I'm not talking about you as a ministry leader artificially setting up barriers so people can't get to you just so you'll make yourself feel more important. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am addressing this issue. If you feel that you are indispensable and you must always be available in order to somehow validate your legitimacy as a ministry leader, you are believing a myth about the ministry. It's just simply not true. Another myth is I have to please everyone or meet everyone's expectations. You'll find fairly quickly as you move into ministry leadership that People have all kinds of expectations, and a lot of them are unrealistic about who we are and what we do. And those things have to be confronted and rejected. But nevertheless, if you fall into believing that myth that you got to please everyone, you will definitely overcommit, and you will definitely be overworked. Here's another one, another myth. I must harm myself or my family to prove my devotion. You know, I've talked to ministry leaders who've told me that they felt like they were duty-bound to work long hours jeopardizing or sacrificing their health, that they, uh, had, that they felt like that their family had to always come after their ministry and that they had to prioritize the, the people of their church above the needs of their family. And, you know, there are certainly moments or even seasons in life when this is true, but it's not to be true as a pattern of life. You know, for example, there were times growing up when I had to say to my children, I can't be a, at a family activity or I can't be at this ball game that you're playing or I can't come to your school function because of a work commitment. Those things occasionally happened, and my children understood it when they did. Because most of the time, I was able to be at those kinds of things because I didn't harm my family as a normal practice in ministry. Same thing with my health. For the most of my ministry, I've tried to take care of myself and prioritize my own physical health as a part of trying to stay uh, optimally engaged in ministry leadership. But during the time the seminary was relocating a few years ago, I poured everything I had into that for two years, my heart and soul, and it took a toll on me physically. And I did sacrifice some of my health for that to occur successfully. But again, that was for a short duration of time, for a season, if you will, of ministry leadership. So it is a myth about the ministry that we have to sacrifice our family and our health in order to prove or validate ourselves as ministry leaders. While there may be seasons of sacrifice along the way, it's not to be the pattern of life. So 
If you believe any of these myths, you will find yourself overcommitted, overworked, and what's the solution? Well, find better ministry models. For example, look at the ministry of Jesus. I mean the real ministry of Jesus. Jesus was never in a hurry, had time for people that crossed his path. He had time for parties like weddings and other events. Jesus had time to go away on retreat and spend time with a small group of leaders who really energized him. Jesus is a good model of ministry leadership. And then beyond that, find some good contemporary examples of ministry leaders who've been effective over the years, who have not believed these myths, but who have instead practiced better truths that were a much better guide for their ministry and for how they did life. So, Believing myths about the ministry can cause overcommitment and overwork, and we have to reject those if we're going to move forward. Now, finally, and this might have been the one that you would have had in mind at the beginning, another reason for overcommitment and overwork is poor ministry management skills. Lack of planning skills, lack of intentionality, lack of decision-making strategies, and frankly, lack of an adequate time-use plan. Now, this certainly is part of the problem, but I want to underscore this. It's not first on my list, and I don't think it should be first on yours. I believe that most of the time, when a ministry leader is struggling with overcommitment and overwork that's leading to time mismanagement, most of the time the problem is not solving management skill issues and certainly not time management skill issues. Now, as I've said... Eventually, that does become part of the solution, solving these kinds of issues. But before you get to those, you need to look a little deeper and ask yourself hard questions about personal insecurity, poor self-discipline, low self-esteem, and myths about the ministry that you may believe that are driving you in these decisions which lead to overcommitment, overwork, and a general sense of frustration because of time mismanagement. And having said all that, once you've started addressing these core issues, are there some things you can do that will really evidence better time management skills that do contribute to some successful solutions to the problem of overcommitment and overwork? Well, yes, there are. And I want to just highlight some of those as I wrap up the podcast. But again, emphasizing if you're just looking to implement a few techniques without addressing the core issues or the underlying problems, you're only going to be more frustrated at the end. So address the underlying issues as I've described them today. Focus on those and resolving those as a part of learning to make better time management decisions, and then you'll be able to avoid overcommitment and overwork. So let's talk now about what I mean when I say that we should make mission-driven time-use decisions. Now, I've been doing this for decades, and I still do it every week. I made this podcast on a Monday, and I did what I'm describing for you for this week. So this is a real and practical way that I work hard and making sure that I'm making the best decisions possible about the use of my time so that I can avoid overcommitment, avoid overwork, and make sure that I'm getting done the priority tasks that really do advance the mission and fulfill the responsibilities I've been given here at the seminary. 
So the first thing I do to make better mission-driven time management decisions is every week I make a list of everything I need to get done that week. Now to make that list, I consult several tools. I look at my monthly calendar to see what's on my schedule for this week, what's coming over the next three to four weeks so that I can make a list of things that I need to be working on. I then also consult uh, things like what's happening every day of this particular week and what needs to be done in preparation for those events, activities, meetings, etc. I look for what I call a routine to-do list. Are there certain things I have to do every week? And for example, for me, uh, writing my blog is something I have to do every week. And so that I know is something that just gets carried forward week after week after week after week after week. Then if you're a pastor, there's some other things you could consider. You can look at your worship service response cards and see what people may have filled out or said to you was a specific need or a request they had for follow-up ministry. And then there may be some other kinds of master lists of people that you use, like master list of your church membership or master list of your leadership or something like that, where you're consulting with that list to think about who and what you need to do in the next few days. So the first thing I do is I make a master list of everything I need to get done this week. And while I'm an early and adopter and frequent user of technology, this is one of the things I still do using a piece of paper and a pencil. I pull out a pen and a pad, and I just start making a list every week of what I need to get done that week. Now, once I've finished doing that, the second thing I do is I select the things that need to be done by day. So I say, okay, these things are on Monday, these things are on Tuesday, these things are on Wednesday, and and I group things because there may be uh, something that has to happen as a part of a meeting or maybe as a follow-up to a meeting, and so I can't do it until a certain day of that particular week. But if it doesn't land on a certain day and have to be assigned to a certain day, then I put it on Monday. And that means that Monday typically has the heaviest list of things that need to be done during the week. Now, once I have this secondary uh, list made, the first list is everything to be done. The second list is things to be done by day as I spread them out over the week. Of course, more heavily weighted on Monday with things that don't have a certain day assigned to them. Then I do the third thing, and this is perhaps the crucial step. The third step is I prioritize what I need to get done by asking this question. What do I need to do this week that will really fulfill my mission? What's on my list before me that is most important, the most important thing to fulfilling my mission this week? And I put a number one by that item. And I try to list out in priority order the things that have to get done based on their relationship to the mission. Now, let's say that on that first day, you've got 10 things listed and you only get five of them done. Well, you move those five over to the next day. And when you come to work on Tuesday, you reprioritize the entire day because remember, there's some things you've already assigned to Tuesday. So you take everything that's assigned to Tuesday and everything that rolled over for Monday that didn't get done, and you reprioritize the entire list. What's the number one thing I need to do today that will advance the mission of my organization or fulfill my mission as a ministry leader? Number one, what is it? And I make a list of those things, and I number them again on Tuesday. I go through the same process on Wednesday. I work through my list on Tuesday. Let's say I had 12 things on that list, and, and I got eight of them done. Well, there's four that didn't get done. I roll those over to Wednesday. 
And then I have a few things I've already assigned to Wednesday, so I reprioritize the entire day again. Now, what happens when you get to the end of the week is this. For most weeks, when I get to the end, there are some things that aren't done. There's always more people to see than I have time to see. There's always more prayers to be prayed than I have time to pray. There's always more study to be done than I have time to study. There's always more to do than there seems to be time available for my ministry leadership activities. But here's the beauty of my process. If I started on Monday by prioritizing the most important things I needed to get done and the last things on the list that weren't done were the least important, I moved those over to Tuesday and I did the same thing over again and moved them over to Wednesday and did the same thing over again. By the time I get to Friday, whatever's left that doesn't get done was the least important work of my week. And if I'm going to drop something off that isn't going to get done, I want it to be the least most important work. If you do this process, it always raises to the top those things which are most germane to your mission. Now, they're not the most enjoyable. They may not be the most fun. You may not enjoy doing them the most. You may find them even frustrating or difficult or uh, fraught with conflict or whatever the negative. But they will have been done because you established them as your priority. So what I've learned to do is to prioritize my work and make decisions about time allotment, knowing that at the end of almost every week, there will be things left undone. And I'll just simply leave them undone and move on to the next week, dropping things out that fall to the bottom of the list over a four or five day process of winnowing through what's always most important at the top, what's always least important being undone. I find that I avoid overcommitment, I avoid overwork, and I avoid time mismanagement because I've been committed and I've worked at the things which really do advance my mission. And at the end of the day, I know I've used my time wisely because I fulfilled that responsibility. Well, I hope this podcast helps you today to get at the core issues that are driving overcommitment and overwork that result in frustration over time mismanagement. Address the core issues. Use this simple process of prioritization I've described to make sure you're always working on what's most important. Put it into practice this week as you lead on.